and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, a podcast about suffering in fictional media. Uh, I am your co-host, repressed but powerless, Tyler Hannon. With me is my co- much more powerful co-host, Kayla St. Ange. Hello. Unfortunately, Lauren is not with us this week. And joining us is the most powerful one of all. Uh, recurring guest, good friend, drummer from television, Eva Freeman. Hey! Hello, Eva. Thank you for joining What's us up? again. Of course, it's my pleasure. I'm I'm always happy to uh, always happy to rant with you guys. I think Eva is our most celebrity uh, guest now. Oh no. she has been featured on television. Mm-hmm. Oh and, no, uh, Autostraddle.com. Oh no, maybe she's a pilot in production. I think. <laughs> I yeah. There's a bidding war for oh, you know, no. her story. The rights to her story. Yes. Yeah. You know, I was just about to say, like, wow, that was a much less embarrassing intro than I expected. And then well, it just went so downhill so fast. You may know her as the little drummer girl, but we know her as best friend. <laughs> like it might have been worse, but it maybe took us an hour to get through technical difficulties to start the podcast. And we'll be like, let's just talk about the movie. Tyler, you're letting him peek behind the curtain too much. <laughs> My plan worked. My plan worked. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the first segment we do on this show, which we're immediately going to get into because we are uh, a no tangents podcast, is our recently watched section. So, Eva, why don't you talk about something you've watched recently? Something I watched recently was the Oscars. No, just kidding. <laughs> which she was on. If you missed it, she was on them. <laughs> yeah, she rewatches them every night. It's a little I bit vain. It's a little bit vain at this point. Every night, I'm- I know. I really do though. <laughs> I want I would if I was on the Oscars, I would have that played like above my bed as I went to sleep every night. Anyway. I like it's been I think it's been like five months now and I really do watch it once a day, minimally. Because it's it. just like it, it's just the craziest thing still. Like I can't I can't believe it. But in in adjacent lesbian content, um I recently saw Hearts Beat Loud. Um, I have been eager to see this movie since, like, I first kind of heard what was going on with it. Um, Kiersey Clemens, Nick Offerman, uh, Sasha Lane. It has everything I like. It's music. It's girls who like girls. It's Nick Offerman. It, 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 I, ugh, I, like, keep tripping over my words to talk about how much I loved this movie. It was so refreshing to just have, like heartwarming queer content that like I didn't leave wanting to put myself into an emotional coma like it just felt good I know Tyler I know you saw it and loved it Kayla I don't know if you've seen it yet not yet but but I plans to it's I I just loved everything about it and there I think there are like four or five original songs and they're all so good like I I remember knowing that Kiersey Clemens could sing, but I did not know that Nick Offerman could sing. That was like, that kind of caught me off guard in a good way. Um, it, it's just such a good movie, and I can't imagine walking out of it not feeling good and like your heart had grown three sizes. So that that's my, uh, that that's the thing I just saw in fell head over heels for. It just makes your heart feel f- full and loud and happy. and just good heartwarming content. I just really, it makes me believe in life and love and, and music again. No, that actually, it is really cool. Not only just because it's like kind of 
casually has like his lesbian daughter and it's not a big deal she's just into girls but also like the way that it shows them like ma- how they make music together and it's like you know a bit of a montage but it shows like the discovery of music and putting it together and just like the joy of creation and you know a little bit of the hard the uh, hard scrabble trying to you know get the band out there just a little bit of that but i, I don't know it's just it's low-key but it's really nice and just good yeah like the the two angles that this movie really kind of like sunk its teeth into my heart was like the music aspect and that idea of like creating and being able to like connect to your emotions and connect to yourself and connect to another person um through art and creating but specifically with music your heart is what it is you stood in the hallway staring That had me, like, in tears a lot. And then, um, you know, just the way that Kiersey Clemens' character was handled. And I know that uh, Brett Haley, I know that he worked with both Kiersey and um, Sasha Lane to really make sure that they felt like that relationship was shown in a respectful and realistic way. Um, Like, to me, if you are a white guy in, you know, who has a TV show or who has a movie it is your responsibility to bring other characters who aren't like you into that world and make sure that you're giving like a diverse representation. Um, But within that, it's also your responsibility to make sure that you're doing it right and hiring those voices to help create those voices, if that makes sense. Just like everything about the way that this was done, um, I think was kind of like the gold standard for how it should happen. And yeah, I just highly recommend it. It was so nice to like see a love story between two girls and walk out not being like, well, it was good. Like, I guess, like, I guess like compared to the other things I've seen, it's good. Like it was just flat out good. And that was really awesome. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't really have anything to add, but I was just going to make a really dumb joke about how it's so nice that we're getting so many slice of life movies starring Tony Collette this summer. And because I am a serious professional, I was just going to say it's nice to see Tony Collette have a role where she could play, you know, just a successful businesswoman with a burgeoning love life, you know, like a professional, Kayla, not making jokes out here. <laughs> um, okay, it's fine, sure. This is a no jokes, no tangents <laughs> podcast. And so we shall transition naturally, concisely, professionally into Kayla's recently watched. Yes. So um, I watched a lot of garbage recently, so I'm going to dig back a month or so. Through the trash. Through the trash, yeah. (laughs) Um, I recently watched the movie Frances Ha for the first time. And really what this movie does is solidify that Greta Gerwig is probably the only person on earth that understands me. (laughs) But um, more specifically, because I know that what's his fuck 
directed it, but that Greta co-wrote it and co-directed it. So. I almost did a spit take. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Noah Bomback is his name. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? Yes. Uh, um, I almost said Joe Swanberg, which would have been much worse. I would not have yeah. liked this movie if Joe Swanberg directed it. But um, anyway, so Trevorrow. <laughs> no, no Trevorrow. Anyway, uh, so Frances Ha is. I, I, it's not a coming of age story because she's 27. It's more of like a coming of adulthood story is the best way that I would describe it. And to me, I found the process of watching Frances kind of just stumble through her life to be particularly moving because you're very clumsy. No, stop. <laughs> a character like Frances resonates with me a lot because I have had like a really untraditional, like, career and life and romance path I guess and I think that the end of this movie is kind of like how I feel about my life currently which is that sometimes there's a certain grace in admitting that the dream that you had for yourself as a teenager isn't what your life is and I think that this movie does a really good job of conveying that that's what happens most of the time and it's okay. Like your life is still good. You still have good things. You can still pursue your passions while having a day job. And like, I didn't go to college and I'm working in an office, which is like not what I ever thought that I was going to do. And it was nice to see that kind of conflict portrayed in a movie so poignantly, I guess. And I mean, Greta is just so great and so personable, even though like probably in real life, if I knew somebody like Frances, they would annoy the shit out of me because I mean, she's flaky. She's always moving. She's drunk all the time. Her friends are getting married and she's, you know, crashing in somebody's living room, Brooklyn apartment. Listen, I get it. Okay. I'll clean up my act. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. No, God, Tyler. <laughs> but I, she's just such a real person. And the other thing that I really like about this movie is that even as we see her stumbling and it seems to her that all of her friends are having this like perfect, awesome life where they get to travel and they get married and they have kids or whatever, it becomes pretty clear that all of them are kind of just curating that image so that nobody knows that they're having kind of the same shitty experience. And that's just, it's nice to see. It's a nice slice of life. Good movie. It feels to me like, I think I made this joke already in our last episode, but like, the natural progression of like Lady Bird to Francis. Like I think they're kind of one in the same and I really resonate with both of those characters. And I'm really excited to see what Greta does in the future because I'm all in on that train. Was Tony Collette in Francis Ha? No, <laughs> not even, not even a Tony Collette lookalike. Or and Judy what's Greer. the point? Like a Judy Greer? <laughs> There was none of that. There was a girl, her Francis's best friend, her glasses just like pissed me off the whole movie, I will say, which I'm pretty sure is like a really intentional like costuming choice, but her just they're just so big on her tiny head. I don't know. <laughs> I just got so nervous about my own glasses right now. No, no, no. They're like they're like Coke bottle. Every glasses. one of us on the podcast has like thick glasses. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing square plastic Ray-Ban glasses right now, so I can't really talk. I just want to say I enjoy that uh, we're making jokes about the whole Judy Greer, Tony Collette thing that I was supposed to cut out. Yeah. Now i got to figure out how I'm going to cut it out when we keep making jokes about it. I, nobody has to know. Maybe I just was saying there's no Judy Greer in this movie. But it, yeah. <laughs> it could be an inside joke. They don't have to know everything that we talk about. 
play it at the end and then people will be like oh that's what that was yeah it'll be like an easter egg we'll find out who listens to the end (laughs) yeah Anyway, since this is a no jokes and no tangents podcast, Tyler, what did you watch recently? <laughs> I've only watched very serious fair, like an adult. Uh, this is not as serious. Please. <laughs> Bullshit. What do I want to talk about? Well, I'm, I am going to go with Sorry to Bother You, which just opened wide this weekend. And uh, I just saw yesterday. It is the, uh, I believe it's the debut, directorial debut, at least feature-length debut of uh, the artist Boots Riley, starring a whole bunch of people we love on this Our podcast. Babes. Tessa Thompson. I was gonna get there. I'm sorry, I I got excited. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I'll allow it. I was tempted to just kick you off this call, but uh, primarily Lakeith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson, but you also And have... Army Hammer, are you kidding me? And you also have Jermaine Fowler, Terry Crews, Danny Glover, Stephen Yoon, Army Hammer, two surprising voice kind of cameos, or three of them that I won't get into too much just because, oh my God, there's so many voices in here that I didn't even recognize all of them. Don't look at the IMDb, Kayla. No spoilers I can't see for that you. Far. Oh yeah, right. We've established that you're blind. Hey, I, I saw this movie and uh, all the buzz, especially out of some dance, is like this is the wildest movie ever. And I mean, it is. It is. Uh, you will uh, not see most of the stuff coming. It's very wild, and I'm not going to get into any spoilers because it's new, and I want to. It's a celebration. Just got built for the cells I'm making. Twist up a big L. Tell the neighbors we the new people. Don't stop it. older white lady who's a ticket taker at the local theater said to me you're in the theater to the right having pause for a beat interesting time that's exactly isn't what that, i expect and then i watched the old them. lady yes that old lady at the cinema literally always has a comment on every movie like i didn't even take it as like, <laughs> that's gonna be you in 60 years i'm gonna have a better job than that in 60 years yeah, that thank is you <laughs> super rude One no but that no 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 no, that's going to be like your retirement, like for fun and to get you out of the house job. And you're going to tell the youth about what movie they're seeing. She said, she did the same thing when I went to see Hereditary. She was like, you're in for a ride. And I was like, okay. Yeah, whenever she makes those comments, it's usually a movie it. I like. I love her. She's but good. It is, uh, there are several twists in the movie, but the big, big thing is it's, uh, one nice thing about when you get uh director like uh, when you get movies directed by people who aren't like, you know, traditional filmmakers per se, and I'm not gonna pretend to know that much about Boots's Boots Riley's work, but is that it just feels so different from most of the movies we see, both in both made by studios and on indie level. There's just certain beats that are different uh there's an elements of magical realism that we don't uh embrace too much anymore and the plot really goes for it and so two of the big themes that it deals with capitalism and how the upper class will pit uh classes and races against each other and create infighting within them and uh use them to pursue their own gain and lose all humanity in the purchase of pure profit and also uh 
it's throughout, but there's a segment of the movie that's specifically about uh, race and how our white society pits uh, other races against each other. And even when they do whatever they can, what we ask of them to succeed, basically they will just like use up and churn through black bodies and not like even the goals and the standards we set up for them, how even when they abide by those ridiculous standards, we still punish them no matter what it's, it's really good. And I think basically everyone should see it uh, just cause you know, it really makes you think, but actually it makes you think just, I hope that most people don't have quite the experience I had where you have a all white audience and they laugh a little bit too much and a little bit too unselfconsciously in some of the parts that deal with race. Oh, that's just my whole body just cringed. Let me just, I wish you guys could have seen my There's an uncomfortable that. laughter that is like totally. No, no, no. I'm going to explain this to you right now. That's a very Ann Arbor phenomenon. <sighs> that's literally just a bunch of white Democrats who think that they're not the people in the movie. It's like, no, guys, we should all be feeling. This should be harrowing. No, like, this is that's literally an Ann Arbor thing. It yeah. happens at all movies that have anything even a little bit to do with race. It's a lot. <laughs> I think that's a white people thing, though. Like, I think it's like so. Like, I yeah. Ann Arbor in particular is so bad, though, because it's just a lot of rich white people who think that they're very progressive. There was a group of people like commenting on stuff throughout the movie, and uh, I was like, I just, I just got a feeling. I got a feeling I turned around. It's just a sea of white faces. I'm like, I'm not going to pretend I'm per- a perfect ally or anything, but you guys are laughing. Your reactions feel a little too comfortable uh, with your own. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Very much a, I have a black friend audience. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, no. You not be feeling comfortable with what we just saw. I'm like, oh, yes, I hate the how other people treat uh, other races in this country. It's truly terrible what other people do. I wish they were more like me. In doing that, I might be patting myself on the back too much, but it, it's a it's a really good movie. I do think people should see it. It's just that, like what happened with Get Out, we find like a in uh, we kind of miss the part where about what Bradley Whitford actually says in Get Out, where he's like, "I voted for Obama three times," was, and we'll still I say. <laughs> I saw like it's basically like people be like, oh yeah, I saw Sorry to Bother You three times. In I was theaters. just gonna make yeah. that joke. Yep, uh, it's it, it's it's it is a trip though, and I man, I am glad that this movie got say made, and I am glad even if uh, their reactions were maybe not quite on the level that there are a bunch of people seeing it because hopefully that means it makes money. I have not checked the box office returns as yet. That's Sorry to Bother You. I really want to see that. And I have one question also that's not to do with any of the politics of the movie. Is Army still beautiful? Uh, he's beautiful, but he plays a monster. Well, I'm sure he's horrible. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a given. I just wanted to know if he was good to look at. <laughs> Is he ever not? I just miss him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so like... I feel like all I've seen people talking about is this movie. Um, I was excited about it to begin with, but I... Like, it seems like people are really excited about it. It seems like people are, like, just kind of, I don't want to say, like, racing to see it, because I feel like that sounds weird. But it sounds like people are, like, wanting to go see it, and it's on the top of their list of, like, okay, movie's out right now, what should I see? And it feels like a lot of people, like, that's at the top of their list, including mine. So. Excellent. Yes, that is Sorry to Bother You, a good movie a right film <laughs> now let us move on to another right film Thelma should it not be pronounced Thelma Thelma <laughs> isn't it Thelma 
Thelma. It's pronounced Thelma in the movie because it's Norwegian. Tell. Wait, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Thelma is the 2017 Norwegian film about a young girl, and uh, she has a bit of an awakening as she is uh, discovering, coming to grips with her own sexuality and discovering a latent power within herself. And I gotta say, I think we're a good group of people to talk about this movie because, for one, I think we all have grown up with some kind of religion, and so that kind of repression is familiar to us. But most importantly... I am part Norwegian. <laughs> Wait, really? So I think I am maybe the best person here to talk about this movie. Because I feel like I just could just relate oh to it God. in a way. Wait, are you really Norwegian, yes. though? <laughs> I never knew that. I'm, I'm glad. really joking. This was exactly the reaction I was going for. I had no idea. Oh my god. Yep. All right. Well, Eva and I are just going to be quiet for the next <laughs> half an hour because we really need. We, I don't know that you two can really add anything, but I can't add myself. <laughs> I need your cut. I need your input. No, we're going to be good allies and just like kind of sit back on this one. You can totally take good the Norwegian reins. allies. Can I just say? Yeah. Finally, <laughs> finally, I get a chance to speak on this podcast and be recognized. All right. Everybody's getting really mad and they're about to turn off the podcast now, so I'm going to take over. They already have. <laughs> um, so uh, Thelma is – I'm trying to think of the best way to start this conversation because I have a lot of feelings and I went through a lot of emotions while watching this. So Eva, you're the one who brought this movie to us and I know that you're like not a horror movie person at all. So I was a little surprised because while this isn't like – a jump out of your seat horror movie. It has a lot of genre elements. And I just, I'm curious as to like what you thought about this movie going into it before you saw it for the first time, how you felt coming out of it, just like kind of, I don't know, your general impression. Cause to me, I, I would see this trailer and not think that it was a movie that you would want to see unless it was well, like the lesbian call was so strong. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, first of all, that's definitely a part of it. And like, there's still, I mean, it's getting so much better, but there's still just like so little content that it's still kind of, and like still so much uncharted territory with like what genres of films we see like LGBT people in. Even when I don't really have any interest in seeing something, I still at least try it because it's like, I, I feel like I can't not try and give it the attention. That being said, um, with this, when I found out about this movie, the way that it was described to me, and if you've seen the movie, you're going to laugh so hard because this is so far away from what it is, but it was described to me as a girl goes off to college, falls in love with a girl, 
and superpowers are awakened. That's the same thing that I heard, and I was very confused halfway through this movie. Like, that is, (laughs) yeah, like, that is so not what it is. So when I, and I remember reading, like, there were horror elements in it, and I did, like, I did a lot of reading um, with interviews with the director and stuff beforehand. And I was like, this looks like it was handled delicately. It looks like it was handled well. And I haven't seen any queer women, like, who have seen it call it out as being, like, upsetting or frustrating or super tropey or whatever and I don't think I even watched the trailer honestly I think I was just like this sounds like something that I can deal with and if it's too horror-y for me I'll turn it off because I'm a big wimp um and if not then I'll hopefully enjoy it so yeah I I watched this I mean this isn't an important detail but I watched it for the first time on Valentine's Day um (laughs) This is so not a Valentine's Day. Oh, disagree. <laughs> I think it's perfect for Valentine's Day. Um. So I like I. Yeah. I'm. It helped. First of all, it makes me feel better knowing that you were also under the impression that there was like that kind of like superhero element. Like I totally thought that it was more of like she finds this great power within herself and like saves someone or saves the world or something. Um. I did not realize the themes of Christian repression were going to be as heavy as they were. Ultimately, like, I'm very glad that I saw the movie because I think if it was described to me as what it actually was, I would have been like, this sounds like a little much for me. Um, and it still was a little much for me, but I think it was also really good. I And, like, there's nothing wrong with the movie. That's just my personal taste of what I want to see when I go see movies. I was left with a lot of questions the first time, like the first viewing. Um, And I did not stop thinking about it for like weeks, like genuinely weeks. I sat pondering everything that was going on in this movie and like what was real versus what she was willing to happen. And the like, what's so interesting is then the second time I watched it, I did not pick up on what that first scene was like the cold open, like I did not realize what that was the first time I saw it. And then the second time I was like, oh, fuck, like that's her dad, like taking, literally taking her out to slaughter. It it read a lot differently to me the second time. And like the first half of the movie is like, you're watching it and it's fine and everything. And then as soon as it starts to come out, like what's happening with her, um, I just started like knots in stomach, like feeling tremendously like sick over what was being uncovered obviously from the perspective of like what her parents were doing to her um but also the question of like if I have this power within me where if I truly desire something it happens how am I supposed to know what's real and it's it's very different from what that like Because at first when that started to be uncovered, I was like, I started thinking about like Kilgrave from Jessica Jones. And I was like, is this in that category? And I don't think it is. But I like there are definite that's definitely the biggest question in my mind of like, how do you deal with the fact that like, you never know what is or isn't in your control? So here's how I feel about that. Just because um, so... I guess for a longer explanation, this movie uh, was really challenging for me. <laughs> I This is something 
that I don't like to talk about a lot, but it very much reminds me of how I felt as a teenager and how I grew up. And um, I don't know that that there are just so many like beats in this movie that remind me of that. And it's such a tremendously lonely experience to grow up in a bubble with people who are so set in one belief and then to be thrust out into the world and have to contend with not only, you know, expanding your own horizons, but realizing that the environment that you lived in your whole life was maybe unhealthy. And so that was the first part that I grappled with a lot because I just personally felt it. Um, The scene where she goes back to church and is like singing with the choir was definitely one of those. (laughs) I started crying and it was good. But as far as like her powers go, and I almost hesitate to call them powers because I'm not sure that like, it's not, to me, it doesn't seem like a cut and dry point and click kind of thing. And I I finished the movie yeah, and at first I felt deeply conflicted because of that exact same feeling because I wondered if Anya had a choice, you know, to be in love with her or if it was anything, like if she was just controlling it. But the more I thought, I read a couple of interviews and some reviews and the more I thought about it, the more I came to the resolution that this isn't like a villain movie. Like this isn't about a girl who can make things happen at will necessarily. It's a girl reacting to her own internalized trauma and problems at first having these powers manifest in a way that just removes the problem. And in the end, when she accepts the power, she is able to like either utilize them or be at peace with herself. Like just because if you go through the movie nobody's emotions are affected. Like she can't stop her brother from crying. She can't stop her parents from being scared of her. She doesn't like, to me, like, I don't, I, her mom is still in the wheelchair. Like, I don't think that she force, I think that she can manipulate like objects and maybe like space and time. Like we get that kind of hint in the beginning where they're talking about how light can be a wave or a particle. And so I think it's more of a physical space manipulation than it is of like an emotional manipulation, because if she were able to just like get anybody to do whatever she wants, then her life would have turned out much differently. Because when you grow up in an environment like that, as much as she may have bought into like the Christianity stuff, it's obvious that she had doubts about it before she would have been able to influence her parents to, you know, maybe decide differently or think differently or raise her differently. And then sorry to continue on for like a really long time, but the the other thing that I thought about a lot was the reason that we even are introduced to the concept that maybe her love wasn't real is by her father. And the more that I thought about it, the more I was like, why are we believing this guy <laughs> who has clearly That's a really good abused point. his mother and now his daughter and is trying to drug them and kill them to stop them from what from you know being their true selves and i thought that that's such like i i the movie is not so much to me about her being gay but that to me seemed like a very typical like homophobic parent response to question the validity of your love and like to say that there's something wrong with it or that it's unnatural no yeah i i totally agree that was like abuse 101 
to me. Um, but one of kind of something that I didn't really think about until you were talking about like your past and everything. One of the things that I thought was really interesting was that like it wasn't like she just goes out into the world and everything is great and she sees like this big wide world that she didn't know was there. Like like I I think about in particular the party scene, like right before that incredible like snake sequence, but when you know, she's, well, kind of sandwiching that sequence, but she, you know, they're trying to get her to smoke, and she does, and they're, you know, they're telling her, you know, do you feel it? Do you feel it? Take a bigger puff, and at the, and then after the snake sequence, you know, one of the girls, like, kind of shakes her and says, like, hey, like, they're fucking with you, like, they're being really awful, like, it's just a regular cigarette, like, there's nothing in it, like, you're fine, like, I, I thought it was interesting that, like, they like again it's not like she just stepped out into this world and it was like all of a sudden everything was great like people were dicking her around people were being really terrible to her yeah and that's a, that's really true also like people yeah like it was just so interesting kid <laughs> yeah but like i just thought it was interesting that it wasn't like a black and white scenario of like oh i left religion behind and like my life is better now like it wasn't like that it was just kind of like oh there's evil everywhere like there are bad people in both of these worlds and it's just the difference between like which like how do I want to move through all of it one of the big things I took away from this viewing was the relationship uh between the family but also like the approach to what is happening and this kind of gets kind of into the uh, idea of Christian repression and stuff more but I don't want to say you can't blame the father and mother for their actions because clearly even despite the uh, very traumatic death of one of their children, they are still responsible for their actions, but you can see kind of see why they reacted in the way that they did. But it is, it is also a uh, clear example, I think of how they react to her with like fear, fear, confusion, and feel the need to suppress it. And because of that, they know know little about what she is capable of. And uh, it only only comes back to bite them because when she finds out that they have been keeping secrets from her and lying to her, she's uh, suddenly hit with all this uh, betrayal and confusion and uh, all, like, basically everything they were trying to do completely goes, like, in the opposite direction of what they were hoping for because their approach was was poor, as opposed to uh, if they had actually tried to work with her and teach her to be a good person and to like either like to be careful with her power um, and what she is capable of, it could have been a very different story. They might also have a better idea of what, of what she can do because even we, at the end, we don't totally know what she can do. It seems like maybe death is beyond her control, but she's able to wink people out of existence for days at a time and bring them back as if nothing happens. It's like she can shape reality to her will. And I'm just a little bit like, you know, maybe she could reality shape her brother back into life. I don't, it doesn't seem like that's necessarily part of it, but we don't know. And the parents don't know because they immediately just shut it down uh, out of fear. Yeah, something that I thought about that, um, I I felt very conflicted about the ending at first, and obviously huge spoiler, but uh, around the death of her father. But then the, it was another thing that the more I thought about it, like society asks us to feel empathy for people who do terrible things, 
because they thought they were doing the right thing all the time. It's a very common thread throughout history. Like, oh, we can't really blame them. They thought they were doing something good. But like, yes, we can. Like they objectively, like they drugged their six-year-old child for a full year. It was a bad strategy. And then like made her into this uber Christian to hope that that would like fix her. And I think that in a way they almost caused this like dangerous manifestation of powers to happen because in the end of the movie, we see Thelma at peace with herself, having understood that she can be how she is and the world will go on. And she's able to bring Anya back and heal her mother. So the entire time she had the ability to be, you know, like a force of good and to be able to heal people and it seems to me like their fear and paranoia were what morphed her powers into what they were until she was able to come to that self-acceptance. It's similar to Carrie in that they don't teach her how to process what's ha- like anything that happens to her at all, which then exasper- exacerbates the uh, the um, resurfacing of her powers because they didn't teach her how to process things properly. They tell you, just bury it inside, bury it inside, cover it up, and hopefully that'll work. Like they took this... Uh, ends justify the means approach to how they handle their daughter, except the ends also didn't work out. So it was bad, bad means or no bad means. And then like the end didn't even work and they didn't teach her how to process emotions and just like the regular life stuff with no powers attached. And also didn't teach her the capability of her powers or like how to handle them. And so it uh, like uh, things really snowball exponentially out of control because these two things that they just tried to cover up and cover up and not deal with inevitably came to the surface. Yeah. I think that, I, I mean, I think it's interesting that, you know, they, they never gave her a chance to be good. You know, like they just immediately villainized it. And I understand why, like, I, I get it. It's like, yeah, she stuck your infant in, you know, in ice. Like she, you know, she essentially killed her brother. And I can understand how that would be scary for a parent. Um, But again, like the, I think that they, I, I don't know. I think it's extraordinarily complicated. Last night after I watched the movie again, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to talk about this because it's just like an absurd amount of layers to everything. Um, and that, to be clear, that's not to say that I think her parents were ever in the right because I don't think they were. Um, I think they totally fucked up their kid. But I, I thought it was really interesting you know, the, the final scene when the final scene with her mother, when like she reaches for her mother and her mother flinches and then she starts to leave and then the mother stands up and can walk again. Like I thought, I don't totally know what to make of that whole exchange, um, but I thought it was really interesting. And I think, I don't want to say like my biggest issue or my biggest problem with the movie, because I don't think that's like, this is a me thing. Um, But, like, I just still have so many unanswered questions about, like, the logistics of everything, and I need to let go of that. For me, I saw that as almost, like, an act of compassionate forgiveness. Like, we have all fucked up in this situation, you probably more than anyone, but I took something from you that I didn't mean to take from you. Let me give you something back before we never see each other again. Interesting, because I think it definitely can be read as a fuck you. Like, you have no husband or no child, and, like, you walk again, but you've lost everything. Um, I don't know. 
That seems like a very not not in I don't Oh my god. Male, but that seems like a very like male reading of the situation just because like I don't for, think it's necessarily the correct reading. No, know, no, but it, like I think I think it is, it can be a valid reading. For sure. I think that they're both definitely. I think that they're you could interpret this movie almost any way you want. I saw one review. So. I saw one review that said that it was the greatest like X-Men villain origin story and I could definitely see that reading cuz I was a little, like I was very unsure at the end before I really like thought about it. But it could it. also be an X-Men hero origin story. Exactly. Like I very much like for me i think that especially between mothers and daughters there's such a weird relationship in that like unless you have like the greatest mom on earth it is very likely that there are like contentious things between you and in this situation i think that obviously that's like the most contentious thing that could be between the two of you is that you accidentally killed your sibling and now you're well do we know how do we know how she ended up paralyzed? She jumped off a bridge trying to kill herself after the boy died. But she survived. I totally missed that. And, yeah. and the look I saw this gives... movie two times and completely missed it. It's like that. a super brief flashback. And uh the the um the look she gives to uh, Thelma throughout the movie, it really seems like it really seems like she just has never forgiven her and the father is handling all of, like she's the one who convinces the father hey we just gotta we kind of gotta just put her in a permanent coma there's not much we can do she well, like, it's always the father doing most well i guess the mom does have some conversations with her at the university i have to say i think that the way that the mom deals with her is different across the movie as thelma learns more things like i think at first it seems like they just have a pretty normal relationship and then as you learn more about what happened the mother's demeanor changes and then like i think if i were to watch it again i would notice that her demeanor was actually the same the entire time if that makes sense well and i think i think that makes a lot of sense and i think that one of the questions that i now have realizing that i was missing a small piece to the puzzle is like did she was she willing her mom to jump off the bridge like was part of the ending that she realized now or like that she thinks she might have caused that like that like not just because she killed the brother but because like was she so angry with her mom at that point because her mother wasn't giving her any attention or affection that she was like wishing her mother away and whether or not that's actually what happened i think it's valid to think that maybe she thought she did that and was trying to apologize for I that i think that's as well. definitely possible and i guarantee you that the mom definitely thinks that she like like i when you're so depressed in that way it's very easy to look for excuses for yourself and i think it would be very easy to be like well obviously i didn't want to kill myself my crazy psychic daughter like pushed me to do it but again i think that she can't really i don't think she can manipulate people's thoughts and what they do Really, like, I think she can be like, you should go to a place, but she can't make something happen. Like, she can tell Anya to come to her apartment, but once they're in bed together, it's not like they immediately, like, she immediately jumps on her. They just hang out, (laughs) you know? Like, I think, yeah, like, it's, I thought that talking about this movie would help me find, like, peace with it and understanding, and it's just opening up so much more. Like, this movie was such a mindfuck It really is, and I think that we're almost doing it a little bit of a disservice by immediately jumping into all of this, because there are so many good normal like parts of it too like when they're just like I think we should we should dial it back for like a minute just because I think that the actress that plays Thelma and the actress that plays Anya are both so naturally good together like in their interactions they're very they are friends like it's to me it's very obvious that what they have is like a real 
and tender relationship because, you know, Anya is the one that seeks her out. And again, like, I don't think that that was necessarily Thelma's doing because she didn't even realize who she was. Like when she came up to her at the pool, you know, like Anya sought her out to see that she was okay. She friended her on Facebook. She took like, I don't know. And like the the only thing that I can think of that Thelma does is she goes to where Anya is at the bar, but that's like a normal thing that you would do, you know, like it's not. Yeah. Like for a 19 year old or an 18 year old, like that's something you would do. Like you would see that the person you like is somewhere and find a reason to be there. Yeah, And so like, I just think that you could almost like cut all the supernatural elements out of this movie and make a cute like slice of life uh, lesbian rom-com Tony Collette yeah Tony Collette film um so like I I think that there's very much like this kind of uh warring perspective where for me I want very much to root for Thalma and to believe like to believe that she is in the right and that she has been maybe not abused but manipulated at least and that in the end she gets to like have this happy ending and it's okay (laughs) Well, yeah, and like not to not to derail a little bit, but I just have to get off my chest that the pool scene, like when she goes into the pool and the lifeguard is in the other room cleaning up and like it just looks like it's infinite amounts of water and that she's trying to hit the surface and the pool has turned like upside down. That is like every single nightmare I've ever had in my entire life playing out visually in front of me. I I knew that that was going to happen as soon as like she dove into the pool. And I was just like, Oh no, Oh no, please don't do this. (laughs) Like I felt so sick as soon as that happened because I just knew what was coming. I so much was like, why are you in the water? If you know that you could just have a seizure at any time, like I get dramatically why, but that's realistically, (laughs) it's just a bad idea. Yeah, (laughs) no, I get it. Well, I also appreciate the fact that like everyone involved in this movie understood that like it is debilitating when you are around a girl you like for the first time. Like maybe like I don't think many of us have seizures when that happens, but I did appreciate the metaphor of just like not knowing how to handle that scenario. That scene in the theater is like the peak of it. Just uh, the the dancing, the music, uh, her reaction to just a girl like finding out that Anya is single again, and just like lightly brushing her thigh, <laughs> and uh, is so uh, pent up with conflicting emotions uh both good both positive and negative that uh you know that is great both in the uh, building of suspense uh but also really getting across how she's feeling and i think that's like i embrace like the chaos of ambiguity giving you plenty of reason to believe either the positive or the negative but for that to work it really needs to sell you on basically all of the characters on their interactions on their feelings on their relationships on the uh the positive and negative uh relationships and events in their lives and i think it does that really well uh both the family relationships i think it does the the flashbacks are they kind of uh shake you out of the uh the story a bit but like intentionally so like they're supposed to be these shocking moments they like really shift the paradigm of the movie. Like we first find out the possibility of her powers when she makes her brother disappear for like a minute and then just like reappear on. I really like this movie. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of it, I think that the childish, like it's one of those things where it's like the childish desire to have your crying brother disappear 
is like the entire premise of the movie Labyrinth. And we don't think that the lead character in Labyrinth is evil. I think that it's very much about learning to control like that id almost like, and I think that she does eventually grow into like a well-balanced and good person because like, I don't know, there's a giant swinging light that could take out like a hundred innocent theater goers and she leaves the theater instead of, you know, kind of succumbing to that. And I mean, that's what helps with like a positive rating of the movie is that like when all of this is out of her control because she has no idea what's mm-hmm. happening to her, because even though there was a the family has a history of these things that could have been used to help inform her to, you know, things to look out for uh, that is totally hidden from her. And so there's no control. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is they totally like lobotomize the grandmother, which is so sad to me, because, again, like, I think that my reading on her situation is that maybe she just wasn't happy in her marriage and had like a fleeting thought, like, wow, my life would be so much easier if my husband just like was gone one day. And it just happened because again, when you have this, like everybody has shitty thoughts like that, like you've never been a hundred percent good in your life. And I think such an extreme reaction where it's like, all right, you get a bunch of drugs. You're going to pray with your head up against the wall until you're asleep. And she didn't get the chance to bring her husband back. Yeah. And I think that, given the opportunity like ev- anyone would reverse that like that's not what you want to do i don't think unless you i guess are evil which is again another interpretation of this movie is that maybe she is evil there and- is a twilight zone episode about that very thing a child who can bend reality to his will and how terrible that would be it's like you'd see why the parents would be terrified but- it's kind of like the doctor who episode where he's like not a child alive that wouldn't burn the whole world down for his mother and this one can <laughs> I just rewatched all of these one so it was like that. Well, one of the things that I think helps this movie and like everything we're talking about in terms of like how you perceive Thelma, like I don't know how old that actress is, but she at least is genuinely believable in my opinion as like an 18, 19 year old. This is one of your and I think big it, things. You're big on I hate yeah, I feel strongly about this too. I was really it, happy about this. Yeah. <laughs> It is like, well, it's like, think about the Hunger Games. Like, I think part of the reasons why I did not connect with the movies was that, like, they don't look like kids. I think if you, like, I saw on, I forget, it was either Tumblr or Twitter or something like that, but someone took the actors from the first movie and found pictures of them from the age that they were supposed to be playing. So, like, if, I don't remember exactly what it is, but, like, if Katniss was 15 in the book, like, they took a picture of Jennifer Lawrence from when she was 15, and were, and it was stuff like that, and it was like, now think of what this movie would look like if they were actual kids. And I think so often, like, the emotional beats don't hit the way that they're supposed to, because you're looking at an adult, and it kind of takes, like, whether you realize it or not, it takes you out a little bit, because you're not looking at a child. And so I think it helps in this movie that you're looking at someone who does look that young. And like, even in her eyes, like she just looks young. She's so, yeah. And she's so soft and like, I don't know. Yeah. She's very believable as like a sympathetic protagonist because. Yeah. She she doesn't have the rough edges of an adult. Yeah. She's wide eyed and just, I don't know. To me, it seems like she's had such a weird, like cold childhood that even the littlest thing is just so much for her. Like, I think, like, she's completely and utterly 
floored and useless because a girl comes up to her and is like, hey, just wanted to make sure you weren't dead. <laughs> like, literally, yeah. like, the most, like, no, like, it was nice of her to do that, but it's, like, literally the least caring. She's just like, hey, cool, okay, I see that you're alive, awesome, bye. Like, you know, and yeah, she's like, you had a seizure next to me. <laughs> like, it's almost like she's probably honestly more doing it out of curiosity than out of, like, genuine compassion, and Thelma's just like, whoa. <laughs> It's like I like I don't think it was super intentional, but like it just totally nailed the whole like useless lesbian yeah. thing of like I like like all the like in um a a podcast throwback for any longtime listeners, but inside out, um, when they show like afterwards they show like um they show Riley talking to the teenage boy and they show the inside the teenage <laughs> boy's head and all the emotions are just running around screaming, girl. <laughs> And, like, that is literally what it's like. And I, like, watching this, I was like, yeah, it's totally believable that someone who doesn't have control over their body and stuff would literally just have a seizure right now. <laughs> and be like, please just go away. Like, okay, so we joked about this yeah. off mic, but, like, that that note, that Tumblr thing that's, like, I had a crush on a girl and I wrote her a note saying, please get out of my school. Like, that's literally <laughs> what happens, like, please get out of my reality. <laughs> like, I don't even think it's yeah. malicious. It just oh happens. <laughs> It's she realizes you can just kiss girls and you don't have to blink them out of reality. This conversation just turned into a giant real life subtweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I just this again, this movie left me with a lot to chew on. And I don't know if you guys had this experience while watching it, but I started watching it. And at one point, I finally had to admit that I had to go to the bathroom and I paused it. And I was surprised to see that the timer was like, it's been an hour and 30 minutes because, wow, did I feel like I had been watching this movie for five years, but like in a yes, good way, like not in like not in like an it's too long, but in a way that it just felt like I had been living with this character for months and for her whole life. Like, I don't know. I just felt like almost like I was out of a trance for a second and then I was like pissed because I was like you couldn't have made it 20 minutes to the end of the movie but like it was just I don't know there was just this like there's this timeless dreamlike feeling to it in that I just I don't know even with all of the things going wrong I kind of wanted to stay in that world and just kind of see what was gonna happen yeah like for as for as many questions as we're left with it really is a very complete story. Like there is a distinct beginning, middle and end. And I think they like just sitting there, it felt just like this long epic tale. So I, I definitely agree. Like it, it feels like you're just sitting there forever, but not in like a bad, like this is dragging on way. It just feels like you're really seeing a, like a very wide part of someone's life. Agreed. <laughs> I was going to say, Tyler, do you have a thought? The music's super good.
The music yes. is really good. The music and the color it's palette. It's so good. Oh, the, uh, oh, this movie looks so good. Like the uh, the uh, endless winter that some of the uh, most tr- the most tragic events and scenes take place in. It's like the perfect setting, but also like this weird contrast of uh, just natural beauty versus dead baby. Oh my god. Also, this has nothing to do with that, but like it's been 90 degrees for like two months straight in Michigan and I was just so jealous watching them put on cute sweaters and coats and like going around wearing good outfits and not just dying. <laughs> like It's been over 100 degrees for like a week and a half now. I And like all I've wanted to do is like fuzzy socks, sweatpants, hoodie, beanie, blanket, hot chocolate, soup in a bread bowl. Like that's all I've wanted, but I can't because it's a hundred degrees. Like a perfect so movie. I was watching this with like so much envy. And I just like, I really am drawn to this kind of like aesthetic too, where it's like kind of washed out color, but still very pretty and meaningful. Like great music. Yeah. Like a, a subtle, but effective. It was so score. well done. Showing, not telling. Yeah. And that's, that's another good thing is this. I, I would prefer this movie in all its ambiguity to a movie that ham-fistedly is like, and that is why she is good slash bad slash lesbians are evil. Like, you know, <laughs> like I feel like we get so <laughs> yeah. much of that like evil, ominous. And like, I don't know. I was almost relieved that like all these like ominous pull-ins to the woods didn't really amount to anything other than her, you know, finding herself oh, kind of. <laughs> that's what, like I would read a whole essay on the camera work in this because I just really love the the way that it zooms in and out slowly and it 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 often feels like especially when she's first uh, exercising her powers before she knows she has them it feels like that when it's zooming out from her room it feels like she's sending those waves out there to summon uh, Anya and or when it's zooming in on her it's like she's could be the center of the universe if like she because she can shape it and uh, the way it just focuses in on her like she is the world i think uh, they're so effective the way it reveals things and emphasizes things when i also like that because like what teenage girl doesn't think she's the center of the universe (laughs) yeah no i i felt like whether they realized it or not there were just a lot of really good metaphors but like i i do agree i think it was just a very well done amazingly made movie like as someone who doesn't really jump into this genre or this world very often if ever like I was just so taken by how beautiful the movie feels like for as dark as it is um like it just looks beautiful it sounds beautiful like there is a real elegance that runs throughout the whole movie that I I like I think breathtaking is how i ultimately could sum up how I felt about yeah, it's this a, movie it's a treat word. really to watch unfold and I mean part of it is the setting like obviously that part of Europe is just beautiful but I also think that even like in the interior scenes like I think that the the camera does a really good job of being a passive observer rather than like a male gaze observer and that is so nice yeah, especially when you have these really tender scenes between the two girls where you know they're dancing in the club they're drinking wine together she's being blasphemous by saying jesus satan like all of these things and i think that there's just such a tenderness there that i I hate to keep like hammering this point home but i hate to think about this movie in a negative way because like it like parts of it while conflicting like it made me feel so good during other parts 
yeah, I like I remember one of the first things I saw from a critic who a lesbian who had seen the movie was just like, yeah, there's this is not male gazy at all. And that because that was my biggest that's always my biggest concern is like, oh, man, like, I hope that this is respectful. I hope that it's honest. I hope that it's not creepy. And it really wasn't. And I, like, I know before you were saying that you didn't feel like the movie was, like, about her being gay. But I felt like it was completely relevant to the movie. Like, it didn't feel like they did that to try and, like, make it edgy or, like, get people to watch. Like, it felt like that specifically tied in with, like, the religion and the suppression and, like, the, you know, the ability. Like, it it felt like it was an important part to the story. And I appreciated that. Yeah. And I think just to clarify more, like what I meant was um, not that it doesn't matter, but like I thought going in that the movie was very much going to be about like her struggling with her parents in that regard. And like by the time they find out that she was in love with a woman, they're kind of just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's literally the least of our problems right now. Right. <laughs> like that kind right. of thing. Like it's like not really an afterthought, but like I just from what I thought the movie was going to be about it wasn't as much which is like good because like it's also nice to kind of just have that be just like a yes she is gay <laughs> like well yeah and like it, it wasn't an important part of the story but it's not about like a traumatic experience like about the trauma of being gay really yeah and the discovery wasn't like it wasn't a coming out story like the discovery was a key component hand in hand with you know this ability coming you know to life inside of her I I just thought it was really unique and just like incredibly refreshing to watch the whole thing unfold and see how all of it was like tied into this one thing. Like I, I'm just so completely taken aback by everything about this movie. Also, even though it was like a fake dream, the sex scene was like pretty good <laughs> considering all things considered. Like I'm like not to be like weird or gross, but like thinking on like lesbian sex scenes in films recently. Yeah. It's been worse. <laughs> like, this is pretty there, good. There's been some stuff going on. There's been lately. some the warmest color. <laughs> there's been some uh I don't know. I, yeah, I, I I haven't I haven't seen the movie that we're clearly dancing around, so I can't speak about it. But yeah, this felt legit. It was good. Well, and like, cause that's, I feel like when you are like a queer woman, you have to make a concession every time you watch a movie that involves sexuality. Because like, even like, okay, if we're thinking like, even in Carol, there's that dumb fucking line that makes me so mad every time where when they get naked together she's like oh I never looked like that women don't talk to each other like that when they're having sex like I'm not like you're not like thinking like oh she's so much hotter than I was when I was her age like you like I don't know just like dumb stuff that like obviously men would think that women are thinking about but like you wouldn't ever be you just be like, awesome, I'm having sex. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's it's really interesting. Like, I feel like sex scenes with women are starting to get so much better. And they're, like, I don't know um, if, if either of you heard of or watched um, Vita on Stars. So that is a story about two women who go back to Los Angeles um, after their mother has died. And one of the women is queer. Um, This is a Latinx story, by the way. And um, it's six episodes. So one of the women is queer. 
they find out upon getting there that um, their mother was in was married to a woman and they had no idea. But there is a sex scene in there are six episodes. I think it's the it's either the fourth or the fifth episode of the season. Um, and it did get renewed. So there's more episodes coming, by the way. Um, but it there's just this sex scene that like. If this if you took that same scene and all the beats were the same, but it was more spearheaded by men, it reads completely differently. And I think we're getting closer to seeing like like I, I think in the past, like sex scenes between two women were kinky for the sake of like, oh my god, it's two women. Oh my god. And I think we're getting closer to it being able to be kinky for the sake yeah. of being kinky, <laughs> which is like, which sure, that's fine. Like, like we can, anyone can do whatever they want in a consensual setting with two consensual adults or more consensual adults, however many consenting <laughs> adults you choose to have. But anyway, the point is that I think, I think that it's getting better in terms of those scenes not being as gratuitous and them being more respectful to the characters involved the actors involved and the community involved like I think just all around it's moving in a really really great direction and that this feels weird to talk about but I think we have to talk about well, it yeah because it's, it's either really like so your your normal lesbian movie is either like they glance at each other torturously for two hours and then somebody dies um you have a super gross unnecessary 13 minute long sex scene that makes everybody unhappy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> or like or like in Jenny's wedding it's like two women who are getting married and like they don't know how to fuck <laughs> they, well, they also like do, they don't know how to like there's just no physical connection like I, I made a joke on Twitter about Jenny's wedding with it being like I think it's a scene from 30 Rock where like someone is throwing up and someone stands outside the bathroom with a broom and is like patting them on the back <laughs> and it's like they're there and like that's literally what the scenes between the two characters in Jenny's wedding look like. (laughs) And like, if you I think that movie is on Netflix now, so you can go back and watch and see just how (laughs) straight this movie is. But, but like, I think they were also starting to see women portraying women in relationships allowed to be more affectionate in a way that feels real as opposed to like, Oh, I, this is like, you know, like when I was 14 and I dreamed that girls at sleepovers would like have a pillow fight and then one would fall on top of the other and they would just slowly make out and take their <laughs> bras off. Like it's getting further away from that. Yeah, well, and that's another thing, like not even just in the sex scene, but this movie, they're so tender with each other. Like they hold hands, they like giggle in class together. Like it's just, I don't know. It's just such a nice thing <laughs> to see. <laughs> yeah, I, I think weird. like... Like, all around, the more I talk about the movie, the more I realize how great it is, despite me still wanting to pick it apart and have a reason for it. Yeah, I still have, like, a thousand thing. That's not on the Yeah, <laughs> But, yeah, I think we're kind of uh, circling to an end point if we're talking about sex. I'm just kidding. But, um, I mean, that takes me to a whoa. natural end point. Well, I mean, that's the yeah. goal. <laughs> the goal of talking about sex is an end point. Yeah, but, um, so, yeah, so I guess kind of do, like, a we can do, like, a um, a final thoughts kind of thing. Um, Tyler, you've been appropriately silent, I guess, despite your Norwegian status. <laughs> I'm just curious yeah. a little bit more about, like, I don't know, your, like, overarching thoughts about the movie. 
Remember when a guy basically burned to death and drowned at the same time? Oh yeah, that was cool. That sucked for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I just really like this movie. Um, in so many ways, is elaborated. I think I can be very easy to please with a certain level of like uh, visual quality, uh, show storytelling that's showing and not telling, and plus a good score. But I think uh, the just movie is really good uh <laughs> it is good at all those things as well as having uh, very well developed characters um from what we can tell as uh you know single language americans uh <laughs> and yeah no it's just really just high quality stuff big fan can't wait to see her in avengers <laughs> yeah and that's my last <laughs> thought too is a thing that i really like about this movie is that it her self-acceptance is not necessarily her shunning her entire life and her faith and whatnot. Like I get the sense that she comes to a peace within herself and understands that she can live as she's lived, but like a more open and honest version of that. Like, I don't get the feeling that she's like, I now renounce God and embrace superpowers. Like it's very much like she gets to really and truly be herself without her parents' version of events bearing down on her and without any outside influence and I think that we just get this really lovely end scene of her kind of being able to like feel the leaves moving on the trees and like seeing the bugs and getting to see a couple seconds into the future and wait for like her girlfriend to show up. And I really like that. It, uh, I, I mean, that's how I feel about the-, the future. Did she make that happen? <laughs> no. Did she choose that no, future? No, like it. Like all of that stuttering that just took place is pretty much how I feel about this movie. Like I, I, for as much as I just talked about it, like I really just don't know what to say about it. Um, I, I just think it's a great movie, and I'm glad that I was kind of misled into watching it. Um, I'm glad that I challenged myself to stick through it because I think it's a. I think when you think about art, like there's like escapist art, and then there's art that really challenges you. And I think that this is just challenging in all the right ways. I think it's visually stunning and appealing. Um, I I just think there's a lot to appreciate in this film. Yeah, I called it a delicious challenge in my Letterboxd review. That, um, that is a good way to put it. <laughs> one final thing that I just thought of that is maybe irresponsible to bring up an hour and 19 minutes into the podcast. Um, if you have epilepsy or are possibly prone to seizures or have light sensitivity or have like headaches triggered by that. There are a lot of flashing lights in this film as she literally undergoes like epilepsy testing and um, a club scene. There's a lot of flashing lights. And as somebody who did get a migraine from the Incredibles 2 epilepsy flashing light scene. Uh, This is a good point. I just want to make sure that everybody is aware of that. If you like are listening to this and haven't seen it and decide that you want to watch it. Just be aware of that. Maybe take an Excedrin beforehand if you're a headache person <laughs> or I don't know, just be careful. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's in there and I'm sure that they were responsible enough to make sure that it's like not going to actually cause seizures, but everyone should know about it just in case. I don't want to be the person that yeah, suggested but- a movie that gave somebody a seizure. <laughs> 
No, that's a really good point and something that I should have thought of given all the conversation about The Incredibles and the fact that the movie is literally about, like, does this girl right. have epilepsy? <laughs> like, I thought about it, like, 40 minutes ago and was like, oh, yeah, I should say something about that and then completely forgot until right now. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I guess that kind of wraps up our discussion unless either of you have anything else. Use your powers for good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the story of yeah. how it's only good. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot of trivia on this movie, as with most foreign movies. So I guess the most interesting thing is that the actress that plays Thelma actually attends the university that they filmed at and that she attends in the movie, and she studies art history. She's an art ho. Oh, that is interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I was like waiting to hear what you found. And I was like, oh, that is kind of cool. No, unfortunately, no like cool movie tidbits. Uh, foreign films on IMDb are usually lacking in trivia or it's like this person references this character, which is a reference to a movie. And I'm like, thank you. I don't, that's not trivia. And if a scene is ever improvised, they will tell you. Oh, the scene where they were smoking yeah. on the balcony yeah. was improvised. <laughs> I can tell you that. Good to know. I did not know that. Uh, yeah. And our IMDb stat this week. Oh, we don't have one because who cares? Because we're not an IMDb podcast anymore. We do what we want. We're free. Statistics. uh, More lesbians should be in movies. (laughs) I don't think that's how statistics work. Yes. uh, Statistically, there should be more lesbians. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so. Recommendations. Yeah, Eva, do you have a movie that you would recommend as a follow-up to this? I I thought about this long and hard because... um, This is not a film world that I spend any time in. And so I'm going to kind of pivot a little bit. And I'm actually going to break the rules even more and recommend a TV show. That's Um, no rules to follow. Who cares? I... I want to recommend Killing Eve. I knew, I knew you were going to say that as soon as you said it, show. No, no, no. No, go for it. I'm I, so excited. I have, a, I have a relevant tie-in for it also. Lesbians. Um, so, well, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, just thinking about stories about women being told in new and exciting and refreshing ways, I think Killing Eve is kind of like the pinnacle of that right now. Um, Sandra O oh plays in... MI5 agent, I think, in Europe. Um, and uh, Jody Comer, Jody Comer, I don't actually know how to say her last name right now, which is not good. Um, but she plays um, Villanelle, this assassin, and Eve, Sandra's character, is trying to find. And it's this really incredible, thrilling cat and mouse chase. And it, it like, I, I don't necessarily love to call something homoerotic, but it's homoerotic. It's eight episodes on BBC. I had the same feeling watching this first season as I did watching the first season of Orphan Black of just being completely on the edge of my seat, like spending my entire week being excited for a new episode. It's just incredible. It's not like anything I've ever seen before. Um, So I think if you are interested in seeing women being seen in new ways and good content and it it is legitimately pretty gay which always gets a bump in my book so yeah my recommendation would be killing eve sandra oh just got the emmy nomination they were renewed for a second season before the premiere even aired so i think it's here to stay and i think it's definitely worth your time it's beautiful thank you kayla do you want to go next 
Uh, sure. So I will immediately pivot us back <laughs> <laughs> to something more creepy. The movie that I'm going to recommend is called The Lure. And it is a 2015 Polish musical, which is like a an 80s goth, uh, vaguely horror retelling of the Little Mermaid story. Truer to the original uh, German inspiration. Yeah, I would say so. So the premise of the movie is that a family of musicians encounter the sirens named Silver and Golden, who assure them that they don't want to eat them. They just want to learn how to like, live as peeps and so they come up out of the water and join their band and you know they kind of have this uh punk rock and roll time in like the warsaw strip club scene and it's about so one of the sisters the nicer one silver becomes entangled with the bassist mitek which was a horrible idea in the first place because you never date the bassist the other sister golden is more cunning and more uh, she doesn't really care about repressing her nature. She's very much like, I know what I am and this is what I want to do. And she worries that her sister is going to doom them before like they had planned to stay in Poland for a little bit and then swim to America to see what was up there. And it is such a trip. It's, I think the only place you can watch it right now is on Filmstruck. It's part of the Criterion Collection. But it is just a gorgeous movie. Um, the songs are super fun. There's an entire scene where they go like full on shredding 80s punk. Like, I think I experienced like an out of body happiness just seeing that because it was it was so cool. It's such a cool movie. And like, it's kind of sad and kind of a lot of things, but it's just a great movie and a very much a good exploration of kind of that monstrous feminine that I think we've been kind of leaning into in the movies that we've watched and talked about recently. So, and also like it has some, like one of the sisters is maybe queer <laughs> again. Like we talked about it a little bit off mic, but it's, I think open for interpretation based on whether or not she actually has feelings for women or just wants to eat them like literally, but <laughs> it could happen. I don't know. You never know, but it's, it's a gorgeous movie. It's super fun. I was really mad at everyone on planet earth for not telling me about it <laughs> after I watched tastes, it. You know, all of her tastes are omnivorous. It's just very that? much like, uh, me branded <laughs> like as a movie, like the inside of my brain looks like that. And the love. I was glad it was on, it was on film struck. Cause I definitely wanted you to see that. Cause that movie is great. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I think that it is a, a decent enough tie in with this movie that it would be a good double feature. Tyler, what are you uh, what are you thinking? Well, the director also has a movie, like a, her own, uh, another feature and is part of an anthology, both uh, look to be horror, both of which I'm already very interested in. Well, you know, I was thinking, should I be should I be 
a good person or should I be like the worst person I can be with my recommendation? You know, I was thinking, you know, there's not nearly enough gay cinema to choose from. So my pick is I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. No. Oh my God. Uh, I was like, what? <laughs> oh my. No. I, but you know what? I was honestly really excited to hear how you were drawing that conclusion. I was like, I hate it, but I, I was also definitely love going it. for the worst there. Uh, no, I, I will be uh, true to myself in a way that is not so patently. <laughs> Uh, just terrible and you know just degrading the medium like this is a very scholarly uh, serious podcast as I said at the beginning we're very professional adult uh, but my so tr- what's your suggestion <laughs> <laughs> my suggestion is I just keep talking for a while you know we'll see where we go I have to go home and give my cat a medicine okay so. well I mean my pick is a my, my pick is going in an even more uh, horror direction it's a movie I've talked about a bunch already but I think it is relevant here and that it is also a uh, foreign film. Yeah, Kayla knows what it is. <laughs> it's also a foreign film. It also focuses on uh, awakening female desire and the relationships between women. Uh, so it is I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, it was. I just wanted to give two different intros for the same movie. No, it's raw. It is, uh, it is raw. The uh, French cannibal movie about two sisters and, you know, one as she comes of age and discovers she has a certain taste and where that leads i, I i've talked about it enough i still haven't seen this movie because i'm still oh, afraid it's so good, <laughs> it's so good. Ah, it definitely uh there you know i would like to think that it still has a kind of ambiguous ending that can be oh wait no yeah i just remember the actual ending the actual ending Oh, it's so good. The, the, the movie's really good. It ta- it goes in directions you do not expect. It is another one that is uh, tremendously, uh, maybe not beautiful in the same way, but just a technically satisfying film with a great core relationship uh, at its center that really informs the rest of the story. And it's oh, it's fantastic. And I cannot wait to see what that director does next either. And it's also, streaming on Netflix. Also Monstrous Feminine. I'd like to retroactively suggest Martyrs. No, I'm just kidding. Don't watch that movie. No Let's one just keep that. getting more and more upsetting because yours was still pretty good. And my just more suffering. Hey, have either of you seen The Revenant? <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Okay. So anyway, uh, we have to go now. Your consideration. All right, episode over. No. Um, okay. Um, awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Eva, for joining us as third co-host in Lauren's absence this week. We are so My happy pleasure. to have you. I am always happy to be had. As you know, Eva is a real-life celebrity whose music you can check yeah. out uh, in the band Staircase Spirits. Oh, actually, that reminds me. I meant to tell you this. I'm going to tell you on mic because it's really important. I saw a license plate the other day that said ILV SCS, and I'm choosing to believe it was I Love Staircase Spirits. Yes, that's the only explanation. I love it. I anyway. can't wait to tell Anna about that tonight. <laughs> anyway, so you can check out Eva and Anna's music there on Staircase. Well, the, 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 that in Staircase Spirits, you can see Eva in extra work sometimes and on the Oscars. <laughs> you can Google. The performance of This Is Me from the Oscars and see Eva front and center. I literally was so drunk and cried <laughs> and screamed for 10 minutes straight. <laughs> oh my god, the first uh, thing that comes up when you Google This Is Me drummer is meet the queer teary-eyed This Is Me drummer from the 2018 Oscars. 
I hate to be that person, but it is the second. Oh my God, whatever. The first one is sheet music. So that doesn't count. (laughs) Anyway, I I just like, I can't believe this is a conversation we're having. And it's not just us fucking around. Like this is legitimately (laughs) you talking about my life. Like I don't understand how any of this happened. Eva is also my legal wife. (laughs) That is true. That is completely true. And anyway, we love her. So thank you again so much for being on. You can follow her on Twitter at Eva underscore Friedman. If you are interested in following the podcast, you can follow the podcast at LTRFI pod, where you can talk with mostly Tyler. (laughs) And then if you have more to say that does not fit in 280 characters, you can email us at LTRFI.com. No, (laughs) at LTRFI at G. Oh my God, Jesus. This is what happened when I make fun of Tyler. Our website, in the beginning. our website is ltrfi.com. <laughs> Most of our social is ltrfipod. And you can email us at ltrfipod at gmail.com. Yikes. Haven't flubbed the socials that bad in a long time. You can follow me and Tyler personally if you would like. You can follow Tyler at Tyler Hannon and me at Personal Maps. Lauren is not with us, but you can follow Lauren at Motel Siren. And yeah, um, we have a couple of things that we're planning. Obviously, our Practical Magic episode has been bumped, but that was so that we could all have all the witches be on. I do, what else do we have in the pipeline besides that? I think we have a couple of guests we're talking to to line up. Yeah, we have a couple of exciting guests, but we don't want to... Don't want to spoil it. No, uh, as you may recall, we will be at the Salem Horror Fest this fall. And recently, Tieden announced they are going to be premiering the monster squad documentary there so we will see that there and you can listen to our past episode on it and yeah so thank you so much for listening i guess i will sign off this episode by saying once again statistically there should be more lesbians (laughs) oh that's so much (laughs) listen a24 is a great movie studio and always will be it's also a great outing too late cutting it out I said it was Judy Greer. Oh no. It's okay. Tony Collette, Judy Greer's show. No, the, oh no. It's fine. <laughs> what we can do here. Wait, can wait, you, wait, hold on. Wait, can you edit wait, wait, that wait. out? Okay, so, Eva, just say Tony Collette right now. Tony Collette. Okay, and now Tyler can just edit that in. Yeah, to where oh my God. Judy Greer. I'm sure like all of it. Seamlessly. <laughs> Well, because what what happened? Can you just edit out where I said Judy Greer? You don't even have to put in Tony yeah, Collette. Because yeah, like what happened be much, was that'll be much easier yeah. than trying to drop. Oh, she's beautiful. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> <laughs>